On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling, I talk with founder and CMO of Lalo, Michael Weeder. We had an incredible conversation regarding marketing and really building a brand in this day and age, building trust with your customers and really putting out a world-class product. You guys are going to really enjoy this one. Do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. We walk you through the same process that we use to run marketing campaigns online at scale for our clients. This blueprint isn't for brand new businesses without market proof. It isn't for businesses without long-term goals. This is for businesses who want to scale up their paid advertising and need a roadmap to profitability. If you want to save yourself the time, the money, and the energy, and learn from people who have already done it, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint and sign up today. Now for today's episode. Michael, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Online. It's really nice to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So about myself. Um, so about I'm one of the... Specifically co- with Lalo. <laughs> yeah, Lalo. So, um, so, so I'm the, one of the co-founders, the president and CMO of Lalo. Um, Lalo stands for love all little ones. And we're a direct to consumer baby goods business, really focused on reimagining the way parents shop for their babies. Um, so yeah, so I oversee everything here in terms of marketing. So, um, that's both paid marketing, organic events, community partnerships, creative brand, you name it. But I also oversee all of our digital. So our e-commerce, our tech side of things as well, also falls in my bucket. And of course, as a small team, we're a really small, nimble team here at Lalo. Uh, you know, we touch every part of the business and being one of the founders and making physical products. And my first time in my career making physical products, it's been exciting to figure out ways that our brand comes through in our physical products, which is very, very new for me in my career. But um, to see them out in the world, to see people using them, posting them on Instagram and showing their love is, is awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, that sounds like quite a role. <laughs> it's There's a lot. lot. You're taking We're a lot hiring. Of like, yeah. Yeah. I bet. I bet you are. There's a lot of like C-suite kind of uh, positions that you're, that you're taking up right now. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, probably too many. Um, I think, you know, most people will say that any good founder will will find people better than themselves um, and put their trust into them. And, you know, we're at the process now where we're actually looking for those people. So it's time to off offboard these things and give up some of my Legos, as they say. And uh, yeah, and find really smart, talented people that can do it better than I can. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I want to, to ask you how you guys got started. Sure. Was, was there like a need that you guys saw? Like, was there a, a pain point or, or like, like how, did, how did it come to be? Yeah. So the business started at a point where, uh, so I have two co-founders, Greg uh, and Jane, and the three of us together were kind of at different but similar points in our lives. Jane has two kids, a three and a five-year-old, had been through the process of shopping for baby and toddler. Greg was about to get married and my wife and I were just starting to, to try to have our first child. Yeah. And at that point, especially Greg and myself, it really started from a point of empathy for seeing our friends go through it and seeing how crazy it was. Uh, and, you know, 
during that process really being like, holy crap, we need to change this before we get there. And then in talking through with, with Jane, really understanding her personal experience and going through it. And it's very, very interesting that the baby goods industry, because there's, there's really no other physical consumer product or industry where there's so many purchasing decisions for products that you've never used before. Yeah. And you have no, no basis of comparison. You have no idea what you should buy, what you need, when you need it. And at the same time, you feel so lost and so disconnected from the brands that are out there. Mm. And the big box retail experience is completely broken in this category. You pretty much walk in and they ask you what your budget is. They don't ask you about your lifestyle, who you are, you know, yeah. um, and, and really learn about you as a person or as a family or, or you know, what's important to you. Um, and that's really what we're trying to solve with Lalo. Like our products are phenomenal. They're beautiful. They're functional. Um, yeah. But what's really broken fundamentally is, is how people shop in this space and how little they're taken care of by the brands of yesterday. Um, and we think the brands of tomorrow, Lalo, um, will really be there for the consumer, understand what they need, be there not only to help them find ways to work through the anxieties of becoming a parent, but also to celebrate in the joys of becoming a parent. Mm. So, you know, when a parent reaches that milestone where, oh my God, or, you know, the child reaches that milestone for that matter of they're sitting up, they're ready to start solid foods. And that's daunting to a parent. What do I feed them? What about allergies? choking hazards, all these different things that are, you're already worrying about. And now you have to worry about what high chair you need. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. So, so we don't, we, we think that that should be the easy part. You should know about, you know, you should be taken care of. You shouldn't just be able to talk to a brand when something breaks, like in this space right now, the only time the brands talk to the customer is when something breaks or if someone needs to register their warranty, mm. that's it. And being direct to consumer we're able to talk to customers every day. Yeah. We're able to understand their needs, their feedback on our products, the feedback on a brand. And they're even contacting us to just tell us how good they feel about, you know, being a part of the Lalo family. Like yeah. we have, we have conversations like that. And, you know, yesterday on Twitter, uh, you know, someone commenting that they got their package and just how incredible the customer experience was. And that was from every point of shopping through getting the package, opening it, how easy it was to put together all of those things. And we want to make sure that every customer feels taken care of. Man, that's, uh, that's inspiring. And I'm sure it uh, would be for a lot of people, um, especially people that, that we interview, right. And, and talk to, um, that's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about your, um, the high chair? Yeah. So the high chair, which is called the chair, um, it's actually a two in one high chair play chair. And one thing that's very important to us and people always ask us, are you guys sustainable? Are your products sustainable? And yes, we do use sustainably sourced wood in the, in the high chair. We use non-toxic materials. Um, but one thing that we really, really set out in terms of sustainability is to make sure our products last. A lot of baby products end up in landfills because they're for a really, really concentrated period of time and then you're done using it. Mm, yeah. so for us, we wanted to make the high chair last longer. So it actually turns into a little plate chair so they can use it all the way through toddler, through even like, six or seven, you know, they're starting to do little art projects um, and they're, or they're eating snack or whatever it is, they're having yeah. a play date and it can live on for many, many years um, and be retransformed if you have another kid back into a high chair. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So, 
So we launched that in July. That was our second product. It sold out um, within its first week. So we completely misunderstood. We completely underestimated the demand that was going to be for this product. We sold out within a week, um, and then we've sold out um, of the white color, which has been the most popular coconut. It's called um, of the chair every single month since launch. Um, Good so luckily, Good so luckily, our inventory planning has gotten a little bit better. Forget you know, and, and we're we're able to keep it um, you know coming right back in stock right after it goes on back order. So there's not too much a delay for customers. But one thing that's been really helpful and something that we built in from the start is that people don't need a high chair until they hit that milestone of starting solids. Um, but yeah. boxes for baby stuff are big. They're they're not small, right? And if you get it as a gift before the baby's born, there's a chance this product could be sitting in your house or apartment for seven months, eight months, six months. Yeah. And that's just, that's just not, it's just another coffee table at that, yeah. that point. It's yeah. not. And for you in New York. There's no other purpose. I, I'm assuming especially, you guys have, Especially for us. In, yeah. 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 New Yorkers don't want these boxes. Um, but even like, if you have a garage where you can store it, like you still don't want it, right? It serves no purpose until you need it. So we actually created the first of its kind um, service in this space called Shop Now, Ship Later. And what that does is when someone goes on to order our product, when they get to checkout, it actually asks for the due date or birth date of the child. And then our system dynamically recommends when they should ship it based on when they hit their milestone. So, and that this is all data that, you know, is, has been around for years. The CDC tracks these and, you know, every child, you know, for the most part, um, you know, reaches these milestones within a certain margin, right? Yeah, so yeah. for solids, you know, maybe call five or six months, give or take a little bit, yeah. right? So yeah. we want to make sure on the, on the, for the, those that are advancing quicker can get there and the customer can always change the ship date if they want to get it sooner or later, but we inform and, and, and help the customer at every step of the process. And that's just one way is, is making sure that the high chair gets there when they need it and not before. That is such a great idea. Like I, I just, I, I love how um, it's, it's not like it's hard to find data, right? And no. it's probably not a, it wasn't a difficult thing to, um, to actually implement, right? But, but actually having the wherewithal and, and also being your customer, I think really helps. Right. When you're, yeah. you're in that situation and especially like with you three founders being in that kind of situation, um, probably really helps with those, those sort of things. That's something I would have never thought of. What now I, <laughs> I've got a, a personal question for you. What did you do yeah. before this? So I did a lot of different things. Um, my career was always, uh, revolved around entrepreneurship yeah. around brand brand and marketing. Um, but was in a ton of different industries directly before this, I was the, the head of brand marketing and partnerships at a tech company called way up, um, okay. a, a venture backed business in New York city. Um, I was there, I was the fifth employee there and was there all the way through the series B and, um, we were in the, the college recruiting space. So helping okay. college grads get jobs and internships. Uh, and then before that I had my own, uh, my own business that was a, a fitness, um, membership tech, also tech, fin, fitness tech business um, that I did myself. I bootstrapped the business was really a great ex learning experience for me. And, uh, and then before that I was in sports and entertainment. So I was actually a sports agent and a music manager no um, for the beginning, beginning part of my career. Yeah. Um, so very different, but in the same, 
but in the same way, you know, I was helping up and coming musicians build their brands, understand what it took to get their name out there, um, acquire customers and in, in which case yeah. is, is a, lis- a listener, right. Or uh, a concert goer. Um, and you know, for me, you know, that's, that's where it all started. I used to say to my artists, like when you go and be an opening act on a, on a show where there's a, a big time artist as the headliner, you're, you're just selling yourself, right? If there's a thousand people in the venue, if you can convert 10 of those into fans, that could be considered a win, right? Your job is just to get those 10 and then those 10 tell another 10. And that's just refer acquisition, referral marketing at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where it all started, but, um, been in a bunch of different industries, been a very fun career and somehow ended up in, in baby, um, but very excited, you know, my wife and I are starting our family now. I couldn't be more excited to be in, um, in an industry and, and solving a problem for myself and my friends and, yeah. and, uh, and the, you know, the next generation of parents. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Um, at what point did you guys know that this was going to take off? Like, I'm assuming you didn't, um, you didn't just start out you know, thinking like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're just gonna like, this is, we're going to quit our day jobs and and just do this. So, so I think, I think they're, you know, I'm, I'm still humble. I still don't consider ourselves taking off. Um, and I I don't know if I ever will. Um, I think one, you know, one of our kind of company values is, is be better tomorrow. And that's because, you know, we, we always want to strive for greatness. Um, you know, we're a seventh month old business at the end of the day, we've been live seven months. And most wow. people, most people come to us and say, I can't believe you've only been around for seven months. And that's the kind of thing that makes me um, feel really good about the job we've done so far. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we, we quit our day jobs to, to be exact and precise about your question when we had our first prototype for our stroller. Um, okay. Once we got that product in, we said, this is actually going to be a real thing. And then we realized we can't make this a real thing unless we really invest time and money um, in, into making it a real thing. It, yeah. This is, you know, helping parents and doing it right is, is not a joke. And, um, and to be there and support in the way that we wanted to and the big vision that we have for this business required a full, full effort. So that's when we knew we had to, we had to do it full time. Um, but there's still so much for this business to scale, um, whatever, whatever that does mean for us and so much opportunity ahead, um, to, to realize the vision of Lala. Yeah. And are you guys just direct to consumer or are you guys, uh, have you gone the wholesale route at all? Yeah. So we are, um, solely direct to consumer. We have, we have our e-commerce store at meetlala.com, but actually in New York, we have a showroom. Um, oh, and cool. we had this since launch. Um, that's where I'm actually sitting today. It's our office in the back, but it's just a beautiful Soho loft where people can make one-on-one appointments to explore our products, to meet with one of us. You know, a lot of times they're meeting with uh, one of the founders even to talk through the products. Wow. And that allows us to talk to our customers at such a deep level and give them the experience that's so differentiated from their last trip to a big box store. Because likely that they have gone or will go to a big box store during this process. And it usually we like for them to go first because by the time they come into our doors, we wow them. They're like, Oh, this is what it could be like to shop for baby products. And, uh, and we want everybody to feel that at some point. So our hope 
is that we'll, we will, you know, roll out our own retail stores at some point, whether it be temporary, starting with temporary pop-up or full-time retail, who knows? And we don't ever shut any doors, but, you know, obviously the benefit of being direct to consumer for us is not simply about cutting out the middleman. That's not really what direct to consumer is about anymore. It's really about being closer to the customer. Yeah. And in, yeah. And in this, and this, in this space, I think that's amplified. Yeah. We're, we're big fans of uh, direct to consumer. I, I just can't say enough about being able to get that info from people and, and the feedback. Um, okay. Let's talk about uh, challenges. So, so far, um, what are the biggest challenges that you face? You've touched on inventory a little bit. Yeah. Um, what else? So inventory has definitely been a challenge, right? With no historical data to understand what your demand is going to be and the supply you need to have to do that. That's obviously um, a challenge, both from uh, managing the customer's expectations of I want this product and I need to get it now to... Um, the cash flow needed to support that, right? And then to support everything you need to do as a business. So um, inventory, obviously, as a physical, as a hardware business, you know, having hardware goods that you sell, it's, it's important um, to overcome that obstacle. We'll get right back to the episode. But first, do you feel frustrated trying to scale your business online? Do you wish that there was an easier way? Imagine if you had a proven roadmap to take your online marketing from costing you to making you money. That's why we've created the Profitable E-Commerce Blueprint. You can find out more at mindfulmarketing.co slash blueprint. Now, back to today's episode. Uh, I would say, you know, for us, obstacles, you know, have definitely been, you know, how do we, how do we really show that we're, we're different? And I think we've done a really mm. good job at that. And, um, and that's really from a brand standpoint. Can we get people to buy into the brand? And one thing that's been really helpful is that we've had a lot of celebrities and influencers buy into the brand on their own. Awesome. Um, and that's been exciting, you know, where we get a DM from a celebrity with 25 million followers on Instagram and they're like, Crazy. I'd love your high chair. Can I have it? And we're like, yes, please. <laughs> and, and you talk, like I get hit up by an influencer marketing agency or someone that has connections to celebrities every day. And the real, real influencer marketing is when you create true, true lovers of your brand and your products. Totally. Um, and then they reach out and, to you <laughs> and they reach out to us. And that, that's been amazing. I mean, it happened with, with Jessica Alba. It happened with um, a few others. We've, we've even had celebrities, you know, most recently we had a pretty big celebrity who bought the product and we saw her name come up and we were like, Oh my God, you know, it's like blew our mind yeah, that they, yeah. could, they could just buy the product. I think that was, that was awesome to see. And, and, you know, I think in this category is really, really important because the number one obstacle I would say actually is that gaining trust and validation of parents and how do you do that as quickly as possible? So that's kind of, that's, that's what we look at is always um, the challenge of our business is gaining trust and validation. Um, and there's a million ways to attack that. And I think slowly but surely we, we are, we are, um, we are earning that trust and validation. Awesome. That's great. Um, let's talk marketing a little bit here. Um, sure. what's, what's the best, uh, marketing campaign that you've run so far? Um, the best marketing campaign we ran at Lala so far, 
Um, I mean, the, the launch of the chair was definitely the best campaign and product launches are always exciting. Um, that was really exciting because it was kind of, it was relied heavily on word of mouth without the product ever being out in the public. So we seeded the product to a couple core influencers about two weeks prior to going live. Okay. At that point, we put a wait list up on our website and it was a standalone landing page. Um, and we drove wait list interests, you know, a couple thousand on the wait list. And then from there, you know, went live with a kind of this install base, if you will, of people that we could, you know, email, put a message up on social and convert. Um, yeah. Of course, we can run them in an audience and do different things to target them, with, uh, you know, paid social. Um, but it, it was really, really key to kind of have that install base. And it really sparked the word of mouth early. Having people interested before they even saw the product, like on a product page, like they saw it for like, six seconds on an Instagram story of some influencer. Right. Yeah. Um, that was, that was important. Um, and it really helped build the wait list. And then from there, once we launched, it really took off, but, um, you know, and obviously having a strong base of press celebrity and influencer, um, to kind of seed it out there and, and, you know, kind of build this, bigger than yourself. It's, you know, market, I, I draw a lot of my marketing philosophy from managing up and coming musicians and some call mm -hmm. it fake it till you make it when it comes to like an up and coming hip hop artist. But it's like in, in startups and, and, and in this space, it's about appearing bigger than you are. Oh, totally. It's about, and then, and that's was a big part of, of launching the high chair was, was, you know, people feeling like this product, was has been out for years i mean I, we got a bit uh, you know a review in and in that where we were on a list of best high chairs and they called us an all-time favorite we had been out a month so i don't know what all time means but we were out a month and we'll take it so like little things like that um that we can be all-time favorite over like the best selling high chair that's been out since the 1970s wow so that that, oh, that works for me so how does your, how does your paid social work with all of this? Like, like yeah. what, what's your percentage between, you know, your paid media, your earned media, like, like how does that all work? Paid, paid social is a very small part of our budget. Yeah. Um, word of mouth is very, very important for us, but you know, even, you know, depending on what attribution model um, you look at, it's, you know, it, it's definitely playing a role in top of funnel awareness um, it's helping get the word out there and, you know, and it, it's, it's steadily growing, but this is a, it's definitely a unique industry. It's not like selling, you know, some sort of tchotchke item that, um, someone's just going to click and buy. It's <laughs> not know. a, it's no, not no. a 20, $20 X that you can buy any day of the week. Yeah. So the tough thing about paid social for in this category is building audiences, more so than any other category because you need to be pregnant or expecting yeah. a child or expecting a child in, you know, in any other way, whether it be adoption or surrogacy or, you know, other forms of having children. So you need, you need to be expecting a child. That's number one. And number two is Facebook holds a lot of that data down. Yeah. So in turn, you know, in terms of building audiences with no audience, you know, as a early stage company, that's, that's a challenge. How do you find those people? Totally. Um, 
And one thing we did early to find those people is we, we just understanding the consumer journey. A lot of people's first place to go to find out about baby products is their best friend or their friend who's a step ahead of them and just had their kid, uh, you know, last year or six months ahead of them or a couple months ahead of them. And they go there and they ask, what did you do? So we yeah. did a lot of things um, early on with our stroller. When we launched the stroller, we marketed to people that already had strollers. So we had events, family events, where we knew people would be coming into our space, our loft in Soho. Yeah. <clears throat> with another stroller. And that was okay because mm. we said they're going to get to see and experience our stroller. We're going to add value into their life in one way or another. We're going to bring these people together. And then when their friend asks them about what strollers they should ex explore, they might recommend the one they have. But we've seen a ton, a ton of people come to us saying their friend that has another brand stroller recommended ours. Interesting. And, like, and they don't even own it. So yeah. that's, that to me is also speaks highly of the brand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting lot, so many ideas from you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's good. That's great. Um, yeah, I feel like I've touched on a couple of the other questions I wanted to ask, but um, uh, something like we like to ask everybody, you know, we're, you're on secrets to scaling. What, what's your secret to scaling? Think big. Um, think at scale. So even if you're not at scale, if you think with scale, um, you'll scale faster. Um, I remember I, I was chatting with someone and, you know, they were asking me about my brainstorming process, like when we're thinking about campaigns or when we're doing things, we always kind of approach things as if we had all the money in the world. So mm -hmm. if we were the biggest company and had everything at our disposal. What would we do? Yeah. What are, how would we approach things? And then from there you can whittle it down. Now you say, okay, but what can we afford or what dollar could we stretch? Yeah. Um, and then that will help you scale faster because you'll seem bigger than you are you'll do things that look like you're more advanced than you are. Yeah. Um, and you know, no company just starting out, you know, start the word startup can have a positive connotation or a negative connotation, depending on who you ask. And, um, but what, what every brand wants to, to appeal to or seem is seem trusted and seem loved. And, and you can do that regardless of the scale that you're at. Mm. Um, but seeming trusted and seeming loved creates an illusion or a perception of scale. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, I guess, part of the secret. Awesome. I've been hearing that lots lately with trust. Um, and we've been talking about it with a lot of brands. Um, just like that, the, you know, having that, that customer trust is so important, especially for when you're launching new products, right? Yeah. That they, they know that they can come back. Um, what, uh, this is, this is the last big question for you here. Sure. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed this by the way. Like I'm, uh, yeah, yeah me too. I'm, I'm super pumped, man. Like you guys are doing some <laughs> cool things. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody just starting out? Like somebody who has, you know, they, they just have ideas. They have, they have no market proof yet. Nothing like that. What would you, what would you tell them? You just need to do it. Um, you need to get your hands dirty and you need to just do it. There's no way to learn about your business or what's going to work or what's not going to work unless you do it. Um, for us, when we started out, like I said, none of us, except for Jane, Jane ran product design and development at Warby Parker. 
but Greg and I, we never, we never had physical product experience before. So when we were starting out, like we just needed to learn that space. There's a whole new language. Um, and now I'm, you know, both of us are, are super proficient in the world of manufacturing and product design and, you know, can speak to some engineering things or we, we're not product designers. We're not engineers. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and we don't manufacture um, products ourselves. I don't build, I don't go home into a, a workshop and build things, but, uh, but we can speak the language and we, we know we can, we can really, we can walk the walk and talk the talk um, in a different way. And it's, there's so much learning curve in any business that you don't understand unless you're actually doing it. Mm. Um, so, so just tell them to, to, to get the product to market. Just get out just there. Get it to, yeah. Just do it. Whatever you can do to get the product or whether it's a tech company or a hardware business, you know, consumer product, whatever it is, yeah. get going. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean, and I don't want this to perceive be perceived as any sort of privilege either because you know, you need to be able to fund a business and get going. And, you know, we did not self fund this business. We had, you know, in order to do it, we got people to believe in us and our product outsource product development folks that worked with us from day one, were working on a deferred payment and for some equity. And mm-hmm. we, you know, got people to give us favorable payment terms, assuming that we would get some fundraising, you know, do some fundraising at some point. Yeah. So those initial days of just doing it, we're getting people to believe in us and believe in our vision. And if you have enough conviction around an idea, you can get enough people to have conviction about you. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, this was great. Super informative. We're going to move over to our uh, little lightning round here. Lightning. Got a, I got a, cup, a couple of questions here. No pressure. Okay. Uh, I just have three, three quick questions for you. Um, what is your favorite tool or app? The one that you can't live without. Mm. I would say that right now it's probably the, the Gmail app on my phone. On my Gmail. IPhone. Okay. Do you use like extensions on there? Or is it just- I do on the desktop, but it, even the Gmail for iOS, um, I can fire through. I'm big inbox zero yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So am I. And I can, I can just fire through archiving and snoozing and re- replying and just on the go. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be a great app. Although my co-founder Greg is trying to convert me to superhuman, so we'll see. Oh, so, okay. I've never heard of superhuman. Um, let's talk a uh, favorite book. Uh, getting to yes. Who, who's that by again? It's a book about negotiation. So it's about, um, it's about how to enter any negotiation or conversation or confrontation. And that can be both about internal, external, you know, and it's, and it, it, it can apply to your personal life too. So relationships yeah. and things, yeah. uh, can be very helpful. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the name of the author right now, but it's, it's a famous, like, this is not a new book. This is like what they've been using to teach negotiations for years and years and years. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, awesome. And then, uh, who's the founder that you look up to the most? 
That's a great question and so hard to answer. Um, the founder that I look up to the most. I, I look up to any founder that doesn't take venture capital money. Hmm. There, there are so many founders that have been able to really stand by their convictions and get things done in different ways and have certain discipline about their business. Um, but to give you a more concrete answer, um, who do I look up to? It's, it's kind of a tough on the spot question. So I, I totally yeah. understand. I may need a second. I may need a second. I don't want to say something too cliche, you know? Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of founders that, that I've, I've connected with recently in the D2C space that are very, very impressive to me um, about how they run their business, about the discipline for their business, yeah. their vision. Um, one that sticks out and someone that I, I, I consider a, a, a friend and a trusted source um, and advisor is Reshma Chamberlain from Somersault. Um, I think what they've done with that business and, and really knowing the identity of who they are is really impressive. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into them. Somersault. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a swimwear for women. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. So it's an industry that's become kind of over-sexualized and, um, and it's more about just women having fun in the sun. Yeah. Not, cool. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, and where can people find more uh, about you and about your company? Yeah. So we're on Instagram at Lalo, L-A-L-O, and meetlalo.com. Those are the best two ways to find about Lalo. And I'm on Twitter at mweeder, W-I-E-D-E-R. And anybody can always email me anytime. Love chatting with great, smart people. So Michael at meetlala.com. Cool. Cool. Totally appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scaling Online. If you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and share this with a friend. No, seriously, share it with a friend. No, if you don't, I'm going to find you and I'm going to make you profitable. Got it? No, seriously. Seriously. 